Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Sports Edge with Rick Wolf on your flagship station for New York sports. The Fan, Sports Radio 66 and 1019 FM. WFAN New York. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's edition of Rick Wolf's Sports Edge. I'm your host, Rick Wolf. Now, on last week's show, we got into a most interesting conversation about how the college recruiting process has changed during the pandemic. That with uh, no travel or club teams, showcases, tournaments in which high school athletes can, can show their stuff to college coaches. You know, how in the world can kids who are juniors or even seniors, you know, get the word out that they're eager to continue to play at the next level? And, of course, we know that everything is up in the air. Maybe there'll be some return of, of travel teams or showcases come July or August. Uh, you know, we just don't know at this point. And, obviously, uh, one thing is for sure, if some of these showcases do return, uh, it's going to be under very, very uh, detailed uh, measures to make sure that the kids do not get infected. But, anyhow, you know, we do, of course, when it comes to recruiting, we do have the Internet which has become a a critical link in terms of kids sending out uh, emails and videos of themselves in action. And that's, of course, a good thing. But at the end of the day, college coaches still have to find top prospects if they want their teams to be competitive in the years to come. And remember, behind all those emails and phone calls and even old-fashioned letters from coaches to high school athletes, We have to always bear in mind, and I keep saying this all the time, but it's so important for parents and kids to hear this. Only about 4% of all high school varsity athletes are ever good enough to make a college team. And that's a college team at any level. And I'm not talking about being a college starter. I mean just making the roster. Yeah, it's, it's really that competitive, not just at the Division I level, but at the, the Division II and Division III level as well. So with that backdrop, I wanted to spend some time this morning talking about the, the so-called inside secrets of the recruiting process, because it's my sense that, unfortunately, too few sports parents or their athletes 
really have a realistic sense or understanding of what goes on from the college coaches side of things. And clearly, and I can tell you, having been a, a head college coach myself, I can tell you there's a real game of, of musical chairs that goes on each year in terms of college coaches and recruits. Now, I say musical chairs because there are only so many open slots on a college roster each year. But there are, of course, thousands, thousands of high school athletes who are, who are vying for those coveted spots. And in the end, even the very best college recruiter has to make a judgment call on which kid he or she thinks are going to be worth having on their team. Again, well, I won't get your thoughts and calls about this. I'm sure anybody who's been through this process knows exactly what I'm talking about. one 337 6666 And in truth, recruiting is, let's be honest, recruiting is at best a sloppy process. And along the way, high school kids can often have their hearts broken by coaches who seem to have said all the right things, but then at the very last second, the coach finds a better prospect and basically turns their back on that original recruit. Or even worse, a college coach who's always worried about players either getting injured or having academic issues or even transferring out. Well, the truth is, and it's not often talked about, uh, is that many college coaches will tend to over-recruit new players coming in. And these new players, who are often recruited freshmen, they only discover when they arrive on campus and go out for the first practice session, well, that they're one of many on the depth chart. Not just one, but they might put themselves as being fourth or fifth string. Then there's a sad plight of the recruited walk-on. And I hear this all the time. The recruited walk-on, that's the youngster who was a top player in high school and is quote-unquote recruited by the college coach, but there's no money guaranteed. In fact, there are no guarantees at all from the coach, except that the coach will give the kid, quote, a good long look, end quote, when practice begins. Well, again, that good long look may last only a couple of days. Why? Because the college coach is normally much more focused on the key recruits who did get scholarship money for his team, and he or she knows that they will get the most playing time and the most attention. Why? Because the college coach had to go at some point to his athletic director and say, okay, these are the kids I'm bringing into the program. Uh, these are the kids who are going to get some money, and this is how much they're going to get. And, of course, the athletic director is going to look somewhat askance when he or she goes out to check out the team and sees that there's a recruited walk-on who's playing ahead of some kid who is a, a kid who got some scholarship money. So clearly, and again, I'm not sure parents understand this or the kids know this, they, all coaches talk about everything's a level playing field. Whoever get, who works the hardest, whoever shows the most talent, uh, they'll get the, the lion's share of the playing time. But I can tell you, it doesn't work out that way. Because a college coach is going to look embarrassed if all of a sudden he's got a kid who was a scholarship player, he or she's on the bench, and some recruited walk-on is playing ahead of them. It's, it's as weird as that, and in fact is that it doesn't happen because the coach wants to make sure that his recruits are playing ahead of the kids who are the recruit, recruited, so-called recruited walk-ons. Now, by the way, I'm not talking about the so-called blue-chip high school recruits. 
okay? I mean, we know about the ones that we read about or hear about uh, in the sports columns and the media, the, the, the blue-chip stars who are going to play football, let's say, at Clemson, or they're going to play basketball at Duke or Louisville. I mean, come on now. We, we know those kids are few and far between. And yes, they do have all sorts of, schol- of scholarship choices when it comes to picking where they want to play next. And of course, they do get a full ride. We know that. But those kids are just, you know, they're, they're in the dozens. They're not, they're not in the thousands. Rather, I want to focus this morning on all the other top high school athletes who are looking to play college sports, but really don't know how to game the system. And that's what it's all about, how to make contact with college coaches, how to move ahead, and more importantly, if you start to connect with a college coach, what are the kinds of questions you need to ask in order to engage the coach to really test whether he or she really is interested in recruiting you and bringing you to their program, or they're just basically going through a courtesy dance to say, yeah, I took a, I took a recruiting visit with this kid, but I don't really have much interest in him or her. This is, this, is, uh, this is important stuff. I mean, for, for parents who have spent so much time and money on their youngsters and now the payoff has come to go be recruited to a college program, you need to be prepared because it's different. You've heard all the stories over the years, oh, it's more of a business in college than it is in high school. Well, that's true. I mean, college coaches are there to win, and they're competitive people. They want to win. Makes no difference if it's Division One, Two, II, or Three. College coaches want to win, and the good coaches do, in fact, recruit. I mean, for example, this could be a, a kid who's a softball player who wants to play in college who doesn't really know how to plan her next move. Or it could be a lacrosse player, football player, soccer, pretty much any sport. And yeah, there are some, some online uh, recruiting services out there, uh, but those tend to be just databases of a kid's basic stats, uh, the grade point average or GPA, uh, their SAT and ACT scores, height and weight, and maybe uh, there's a possibility to upload some video as well. But those online services, they really don't help the high school coach, high school athlete in terms of making a direct connection with a college coach. And even worse, you know, as I said before, how does a kid and their parents know what to even ask of a coach? one 337 6666 Again, I'm eager to get your thoughts about this, maybe even some real-life stories of what you've gone through. Let me start by giving you an example of what I'm talking about here, about this, about this two-way process of college coaches and how the college coaches see kids as recruits. You know, you know that I used to be the head baseball coach at Mercy College. Mercy College is a Division II school with scholarship money. Now, back in the day, I'll give you a hypothetical, but this happened. If I had a youngster come visit the campus along with his parents, and I really wasn't certain whether this youngster projected to be a starter for me or just somebody on the team, invariably I'd show him the campus, you walk around, show him the baseball field, so on and so forth, the usual kind of thing you'd expect in a college visit. And at the end of the meeting, I would sit the mom and dad down with the youngster in my office, and I would lean in, and with a big, reassuring smile, I would say something like, well, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I just first want to salute you for doing such a wonderful job in in raising your son. Uh, He's clearly a terrific young man who has all the right values that we're looking for here in, in a college student here at Mercy College. In fact, I could very much envision him here on campus in the fall, and it'd be just great 
if he decides to play baseball here. I mean, I can just tell that he's a, a team, total team kind of guy, a total team player, just the kind of kid I would like to coach. I would then ask if they had any questions. <laughs> Amazingly, most parents didn't. Or maybe they ask things like, well, do you go south in the, in, the, in, the, in the spring to play for, you know, exhibition games? Of course we do that. But they didn't ask any really difficult questions because I think they were still, quite frankly, basking in the afterglow of my, my positive comments about them and their son. I would then basically thank them for coming in, usher them out the door, and told them that I'll be in touch with them down the line. And that was it. The key here, and this is the takeaway I'm trying to make, is that while I praised the parents, which was, yes, I felt sincere about that, but I didn't make any promises about their son either being admitted into mercy or getting any scholarship money, or for that matter, his even making the team. Now, was this wrong? Well, perhaps. But it's a competitive situation, and that's why I so strongly encourage parents and high school kids today to have their list of questions ready to ask every college coach who shows any bit of interest uh, in your son or daughter attending their school. Now, this issue of over-recruiting, by the way, that's also pretty pervasive. And yet most high school athletes you know, and their parents are too, either too timid or embarrassed to, to ask about how many other ballplayers, athletes are, coach, are you recruiting at my position? And what about the kid who played my position last year? What happened to him or her? Is, is, are they back? or What's going on? I mean, the fact is, there are two important facts you've got to bear in mind. High school kids overlook the reality that college coach is probably already looking for the following year's class of recruits. Not just your class, the year behind you. Because that is, if you're a freshman in college, you had better make a strong impact that first year, because if you don't, well, the college coach will be looking for someone to replace you next year. And for kids who are lucky enough to receive some scholarship money, well, just bear in mind that scholarship money in college, that, that has to be renewed each season. It's just not automatic for four years. So let's talk about this today on the show, because I'm, I'm eager to get your thoughts. As I said, it is a complicated, often sloppy, sometimes messy situation, where unfortunately at the end of the day, as you get closer and closer to the, the, first, the first few days of college, many times kids are still up in the air as to where they're going to go to school, because they just haven't got a sense from the college coach. They're still on the fence, they're still hemming and hawing, because the college coach is looking probably at some other recruit. It is complicated. It is, again, it can be very, very heartbreaking. It's very, very disappointing. one 337 6666 Let me take a time out. When I return, I'll go right to your calls. I'm eager to get your thoughts about this. Stay with me. Well, you can't have New York without sports. And you can't have sports without the fan. Sports Radio 101. WFAN, New York. And we're back. 
back on the Sports Edge. We're talking this morning about the, well, the, the, the courtship of uh, high school athletes and college coaches. Again, not so much focusing on the top, top uh, elite athletes uh, who have their pick and cho- choice of any top college, whether it's, you know, playing football at Clemson or playing basketball at Duke. No, we're talking about those kids. We're talking about everybody else who has to go through the process and, you know, uh, having this, this um, game of musical chairs with college coaches and which one I like, what do they like me, they talking money, and the kind of things you have to ask if you're going through this process. And, of course, it gets even more complicated now because of the, of the virus situation. Uh, let's start our conversation uh, this morning with Brian over in Paramus. Hey, good morning, Brian. You're on the fan. Good morning, Rick. How are you? I'm well, Brian. Thank you. Um, I, was, I follow you, and I listen to you on the radio um, as well. And I was reading a web, an article on your website uh, with, uh, by Jack Smithlin. Yes. All about college recruiting and all. Yes, and we'll and, hear from Jack uh, in a little while as well. He did a nice piece of there, no question. Yes, he, it actually, it's actually a really good article. Um, and I have a unique uh, situation with the recruiting um, because I played baseball like Jim Abbott, so I would catch and throw with the same hand, and I was a lefty. Uh-huh. And the recruiting was very difficult for me because I didn't know um, who would – be recruiting me because of my disability or who would be not recruiting me who 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 would want me to be on their on a uh, team sure so I sat down with my father and we discussed and he says do you want to play college baseball I said yes so then we sat down with my uh, fall coach um, and I explained to him I said look I would love to play college baseball Um, and he said Brian I think you would be a great uh, person to play college baseball not only you have this talent, but you have you can play with a, maybe a, like a Division two or Division three, mm-hmm. and so he made he made a couple of uh, of phone calls um, to a Division three school um, in at Rutgers Newark. Um, it's a D D three. It's in sure. the NJAC. Right. And I he came the college coach came and saw me pitch, and he liked me. He he. Uh, told me to come down, take a look at the campus. I love the campus. I love the academics, and I love the, the team because it, it felt like a team culture, and I met some kids there. Um, but, you know, it was it was unique because he, pro- he uh, there was a couple promises here and there where he told me I would probably make the team and for all four years. But, you know, it was just a unique situation because, you know, coming from a kid who has a disability and playing college baseball – there's some hard times where you have to find, you know what, do I, do I want to play baseball? You know, I, unfortunately I did play baseball throughout college and on where did did you play, did you end up playing at, um, uh, at, uh, at Rutgers? I, I, unfortunately I transferred because I got, I got promised a lot, uh, Ah. a lot of things. So I transferred to Rambo college and I finished my career at Rambo college. You know what? And I loved it. I loved Rambo College. Kids were great. Kids were fun. You know, we all had a great a great time. You know, it what the whole story, the whole point of it is, is it's just be who you are, and that's all you have to do. Well, Brian, just, it, a couple of things here. First of all, you, you know, you're obviously to be applauded because obviously very few kids that I just mentioned never go on to be good enough to play in college at any level. And obviously you were good enough, despite your disability, to, to pitch in college. Obviously, you know, going up and finishing at Ramapo, which is a, a terrific program. 
Uh, Jim Abbott, obviously, you know, who played, who pitched at uh, at Michigan and had a tremendous big league career. I mean, he sort of proved, and obviously, you had the same sense, same you know, confidence in your abilities to say, you know what, I'm gonna do the same thing. I like to pitch. I want to keep doing this, and and yeah, it's great. Uh, I mean. Clearly, you got people out. Clearly, you did a nice job. Clearly, you went through the process. But you're also saying, if I hear you correctly, that some of the, the things at your first school at Rutgers Newark didn't really come to fruition, so that's why you looked to go someplace else. Is, is that what you're saying? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> the fact is you're a talented pitcher. Yeah, but at the end of the day, the coach says, I don't, well, the coach must have felt either it wasn't a good fit or you didn't feel it was a good fit. There wasn't a sense of comfort. And so at least you had the, the, uh, you know, the, the guts to say, I'm going to go someplace else where I feel I'm going to be a better situation, a better team culture. And that was fine. Uh, that's terrific. Brian, I, I, I thank you for that story because it does sort of highlight exactly what we're talking about here in terms of the recruiting process. I appreciate and continued good luck to you. Let's move on. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Drew over in uh, New Jersey. Hey, Drew, you're next up on the fan. Hey, man, how's it going? Drew, can you I, hear I, I got a, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, speak a little louder if you would, Drew. Yeah, yeah, no problem. I got a, uh, I got a 10-year-old son who plays golf. Okay. And uh, he's pretty good. You know, he's still got a long way to go. I guess my question is, do, should I, like, be looking tail, like, to, to tailor him to a certain high school should we go to the, just the local high school in the town? Does that matter? And how do you get a talented kid who doesn't have, like, uh, he doesn't come from a family that, that, that has athletics in him? Or, you know, and I played ball in high school. It was 100 years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I didn't, play, I didn't end up playing in college. Um, but, but when you don't have people in your family that have gone, you don't have a pipeline to coaches, you don't have that. You know, what's the process for that kid when you have a talented kid who's, who's growing up, he's getting bigger, he's getting stronger, he's, he's doing well at a really young age. You're not specializing, he's playing everything, but he's clearly better at one thing than another thing. You know, and then the high school choice, is that as important well, as, here, um, Yeah, well, here's a, two, two things, Drew. First of all, he, your son's 10. All right, that's still pretty young. Uh, he's obviously, he said he's talented, it shows some talented golf. That's great. Uh, obviously he may, uh, play other sports as well. Uh, and the fact that you're sensitive to the, to the reality that he doesn't necessarily come from a family that's full of an athletic background or back or, or, or it's not steeped in the sports tradition. At least you're aware of that. Okay. But I would say at this juncture, he's still very young. I would let him just continue to play whatever sport he wants to play like golf or other sports. As he gets to be 12, 13, and now he's looking towards high school, well, at some point over the next two or three years, the, the various coaches, particularly golf instructors, will begin in your area will begin to talk to you about, okay, what, where is he looking to go to high school? Where is he going to play more golf? Is he going to play for a, a, with a private instructor? I mean, these are the kind of things that happen over the next two or three years. It's a little early at this process because he's so young. But again, you're asking all the right questions. Again, and, and, and you know, Drew, thank you for the call this morning. The fact is that you're aware of it uh, is a good sign. But again, don't push too hard. Let your youngster just continue to enjoy what he's doing. Let's uh, let's go to our friend Louis over in Lindbergh. Hey, Louis, you're next up on the fan. Hey, Rick. Happy Mother's Day. You too, Louis. How you doing? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> well, uh, being a college coach for over uh, 
25 years. Uh, I've coached on on the Division II level. Last year, I coached at a Division uh, III school. My team was ranked number nine in the country for small colleges in soccer. Uh, One of the things I would want from the person that's interested in attending my college would be, tell me how much you need. Don't tell me how, how good you are. Don't give me 100 tapes because I'll tell you right now, I have those tapes. They're still sitting on my uh, <laughs> my table here. Yeah. I don't know what to do with them anyway. I can't even yeah. tape over them. But the point being is that those are a waste, a complete waste of time. If you give, if you tell the coach what you need, if you tell them how good you are, if you're confident enough to tell them how good you are, can you play offense? Can you play defense? What can you do? In the offseason, are you going to attend the, the workouts in the offseason? Do you know that you have to make my team? Like last year, I had 52 kids try out for my team. So I can only keep 25 of them. I yep. tell them, I have a lot of kids coming out for my team. You have to make the team. Now, since I do coach Division Three, there are no scholarships. But what we do is we look at that FAFSA and we help them. You know, I, get, I actually don't even do it. I give it to uh, one of the counselors. They figure out how much money they're going to be receiving in financial aid. Right. Then when we bring that to the forefront to them, a lot of them, they don't even they don't even check on their financial aid most of the time. I tell them what they're going to get, and sometimes they're, they're willing to accept to come to your school right off the bat. But more importantly than anything else, if you're going to Division Two, Three, tell the coach how much you need, first of all. Remember, you've got to make the team in order to get the amount that he's going to offer you. Get it in writing. If you don't get the amount in writing, yeah. guess what? You don't have a scholarship. You've got to get that from the coach and well, ask him. Listen, you tell me I'm going to get four or five thousand or six thousand. I you couldn't put that in writing, and I'll I, make my uh, decision right uh, away. Let me, and, and as always, my thanks for your thoughts and insights. And I just want to re-emphasize this: one of the key questions you have to ask when you sit down with that college coach, who's now saying, "Yeah, I really am interested in having you come here and, and, and being on my team." Okay, coach. Here's, here are the questions you have to answer for me, and I want these in writing. Now, don't be timid about this, because if the coach really is interested, uh, he or she would be glad to email their answers to you, because these are the essential questions. For example, how many kids are you recruiting uh, at my position? What's the status of the player currently on the team who does play my position? I mean, the, kid, the kids ahead of you is, uh, was an All-American last year as a freshman, you're not going to have much playing time because the kid's going to continue to play ahead of you. Uh, will you be on the, the travel team to away games? Now, I'm going to be clear about travel team. You know, at most college athletic conferences, they have limits as to how many athletes can travel to away contests. So make sure you ask the coach ahead of time, okay, let's say if it's baseball, you're going to take 20 guys uh, on an away game. Am I on that travel team? Well, that's an important tell because if he says, eh, I'm not so sure, well, you want to find out for sure definitively where, how, he, how he sees you. And again, as Lou just said, if there is scholarship money on the table, exactly how much are we talking about? Don't let the coach waver on this. Don't let him say, well, we'll come back, we'll think about it. Uh, you know, he might say something like, you know what, I haven't got any more scholarship money for this year, but you have a good freshman year, and next year as a sophomore, we'll take care of you. No, that's nonsense. Don't, don't, don't listen to that. There's no, there's no risk from the coach. He's trying to gamble on you to say, yeah, you come here, have a good year, and then we'll talk money. No, don't play that game. That's not really the way the game is played. Uh, and again, the last thing is, 
give your questions to the coach and have him or her email their answers to you so they know exactly where you stand because otherwise you still you're just dealing in in, in the you know quite frankly mythology and, well maybe we'll see we'll see how it goes no I want to have answers now simple as that okay let's move on uh, as promised uh, I want to get to to Jack Smithlin who wrote a great piece which appears on Ask Coach Wolf about the recruiting process. Uh, Jack is a, a hitting coach at Montclair Softball and has spent you know, decades as a, as a top high school coach in New Jersey. He's in the Jersey Hall of Fame. Jack, good morning. How are you? How are you, Rick? Good, Jack. Um, things, are, um, you know, things are going good. Everybody's trying to stay safe and everything, but your intro was fabulous. It really was because you hit on every single thing. Um, that first caller, Brian, who actually said that he was, he, you know, he read the article. Yep. Um, the first, the first thing his dad did was make a phone call, which was, you know, which, which is my theory, which is, you know, my procedure that I've been very, very successful with. Um, you know, also talking about, you know, when kids are, are getting these form letters that, like, you know, you've said a million times, um, and I reiterated in the in the article I wrote because of you know because of how many times I've heard it from you that you know recruiting letters are when they're telling you that you know um, there it's a handwritten letter it's signed by the coach you know it, they're not going to promise you anything but you can tell the difference between a form letter you know usually these form letters that everybody gets and and like you said and like I've said it's you know. When a kid sees that, they're all excited, and they think, oh, well, look at this. University of Miami is his interest in me. They're not, all right? <laughs> you're, you're, your name is out there. You've probably done some showcases, like you've said before. Yep. And you know what? And they're looking to actually fill their workshops. I mean, they have camps in the, in the winter, and it's a good way of seeing prospects. But like you said before, until a coach comes to you and says, listen, this is the way it is. I see you playing for me. Um, you will be an impact player, you know. Um, let's talk money. You know, here's what I have this year, you know. But, you know, and, and when, when my son Zach went to Penn State and the coach sat in our living room and promised him everything, he actually gave him everything he promised him. He actually said to him that he might not even play in the first year. And Zach was, you know, very questionable whether he wanted to go there. But once again, Penn State, a great education, a good program. Um, you know, he did get to the NCAA Sweet 16 one time during his, his career. But, you know, he said even when he was redshirted, he got some money each semester. You know, he got three or $4,000 each semester. And then when he broke into the lineup, now the coach who sat in our living room and told us this, now he gave him more money. And by the time of, by, by hit the end of his career um, at Penn State, he was, he was getting a full ride. Well, and, you know, you got it. You got to trust. You got to recruit people. You got to recruit the the coach as much as you're going to recruit that well, school. Asking all those great questions, Jack. So, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it because it is a two-way process, and it is a situation where the college or the high school kid has to recruit the college coach as well, uh, because you yeah. want to really push the coach to see are they really, really, really interested? Uh, am I coming to play for them? Uh, and and again, any college coach worth their salt will never basically say, oh, I looked at the, the kid online and read the, saw the video and he looks really good, so I'm going to recruit him and give him. No, it doesn't work that way. College no, coaches at no, some point say, I got, I got to go see this kid in person. Look, the videos that go out there, and, and we heard this before from Louie, other coaches, 
there are thousands of videos, and no college coach has a time uh, or the desire to go through all these very slick highlight reels with all the, the, the cool music in the background, this and that. They, we all know those are basically put together just to make you look very enticing. Uh, but no. the good college coach knows you've got to see the kid, you know, how do they react yeah. when they, they have a bad game? How do they deal with adversity? How do they, how do they carry themselves on the field? How do they react to their high school coach? You've got to see this in What's person. What's their family background? Of course, that stuff. background yeah. also. I mean, so, this yeah. is very important. Plus, no coach is ever going to recruit you from a video. Yeah, it's just and not going to happen. Talking back to Drew, <laughs> nope. And talking back to Drew about his ten-year-old golfer. Yeah. You know what school should he go to? Well, listen, golf is based on scores. So if you're at the worst school in the world and you're shooting in the low 80s, high 70s, you know, in high school, I don't care what school you're going to, you'll get recruited, and you can you can get yourself in front of colleges and coaches that that you want to play at so you but, know the same thing with track and swimming you know those things are you know they're based on times or scores so you know it doesn't really matter drew what school he goes to as long I, as he continues to work hard but you jack know, a, i was just going to say recruiting stuff that, that's an yeah. excellent observation and i will say that you know there are a few sports individual sports like golf like uh like uh swimming like track and field, where they're all basically yeah. based upon measurements, real metrics. Yet there again, if you're a college coach, you still want to go see this kid perform just to see what they're like exactly. out of the pool. What do they like with around the rest of the guys on the golf course? What do they like, you know, in terms of track and field? You got to get a sense as to their all huge personality because numbers alone just tell you, oh, the kid's got talent. But what do they like beyond that? Jack, let me take One a break. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead, Jack. No, one more thing. Grades, people, are very important because no coach wants to recruit a kid that's going to be out of school in a year because they flunked out. Oh, so yeah, yeah. You got to keep your you got to keep your grades up because that's a very very you know important thing for coaches. It makes it very easy for them to get you into that school. Yeah. Thanks, Rick. And once again, this is a great show. You need more time on this on the radio. It's crazy. <laughs> okay. but Thanks. Happy Mother's Day to Trish, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Jack. And again, friends, uh, if, if you have a moment and you, you have one, you're interested in this whole process, uh, there's an excellent article that Jack penned uh, that now appears on AskCoachWolf.com. Uh, it's the lead article about the inside uh, secrets of recruiting. Most of the material that we talked about this morning is in that article, and it's worth your time to take a look because this is a very, very slippery slope when it comes to the, the college recruiting process. All right, let me, let me take, a, take a time out here. Uh, when I come back after these commercial messages, I'll go right back to your calls at one 337 6666 Sports Radio 101.9 FM, the fan, and Sports Radio 66 WFAN, New York. Hey, uh, Mike Francesa comes your way this morning at 9 o'clock on this Mother's Day. Make sure you listen to, to Mike and uh, his views on sports and what's happening in this ever-changing world uh, due to the pandemic. Again, Mike Francesa at 9 this morning on the fan. A couple of real quick notes before I get back to your calls. I noticed the last couple of days it was uh, Mary Pratt, uh, who uh, was 101. She pitched for the Rockford Peaches uh, in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Uh, she apparently was a pretty good left-handed pitcher. I actually checked on this uh, because uh, I'm not sure how well known it is, but back in the 90s, 
the, the, the baseball encyclopedia, which was, of course, the Bible for many, many years of baseball, uh, for baseball fans everywhere, the big, giant, 3,000-page book. Well, back in the 90s, uh, Ken Samuelson uh, decided to, who was working with me on the book, decided to put in, uh, insert the records of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And sure enough, Mary Pratt is named in there, uh, playing for Rockford. Also, the Negro Leagues, uh, back in the 90s, the, the, uh, the baseball encyclopedia. You know, those stats uh, were put in the book as well. I mean, I, it, it's extraordinary to go back and look at the Negro League stats as well as, again, the, the women who played uh, in the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Uh, it was also a, um, a wonderful article in the New York Post this past week by Zach Braziller about Aaron Sabato of UNC. Now, we talked about Aaron Sabato last year. He's from, uh, from Rye Brook in Westchester County. He's being touted as a possible first-round pick uh, this summer. Aaron, 6'3", 220 pounds. He's a power-hitting first baseman. Power hitters are very hard to find. I saw him play several times last year on television. He was just hitting rockets all over the ballpark, seemingly on every at-bat. And he led UNC in just about every offensive category, was named a freshman All-American. His dad, Ted, uh, who was mentioned in the article, and, and the modest man that Ted Sabato is. He mentioned that he had played at Mercy College back in the day. Yeah, that's right. Ted Sabato had played for me when I coached at Mercy, and he, like his son Aaron, well, Ted was a heck of a good hitter, too. He had rockets over the ballpark as well. Uh, his son Aaron is a little bigger than Ted is, uh, and he has more, more overall power but clearly the gene lines are, are working well in the Sabato family. I should probably get these guys on the, on, the, on the show at some point. I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron is taken in the first round. Okay, let's get back to our, our uh, topic today about, about um, you know, recruiting and the inside secrets. Uh, let's go to our friend Ed over in Elizabeth. Ed, good morning. You're on the fan. Good, mo- good morning, Rick. How are you doing? Good, Ed. How are you? Good. Uh this is a great topic. This should, we should be doing this for like about a few months because, again, you get great ideas from a lot of people. And uh, I was just reading Jack's uh, piece. It was He did a great job on it. Yeah, he but did. But I'm going to I'm gonna bring up a little more on the baseball side so, so people get an idea what's going on. Okay. What the college coaches are doing right now, because, again, I'm a former college coach and I'm friends with them and all that. You do send a video. But do not make it an hour-long video. Three <laughs> to five minutes. No, I know. This is what they're looking at because we've, we've had conversation. Three to five minutes, no music, and, and highlight um, hitting, fielding, even base running. If you're a pitcher, uh, throw, throw, throw. What pitches you throw? You don't have to throw. Again, pitching-wise, maybe no more than 15 pitches on that. Okay. You send it out. The college coaches are are they are looking at them because again, you know they're behind schedule. They can't go see kids play, so right. you know they need Correct. To somehow have an avenue to look things. If they like you, they'll contact you. Now, for example, if, but I, I want to bring this up for the kids that might be twenty twenty two graduates. When you put your profile thing up you know, with your video, you put your name, high school position, academic information. Under that, put contact coaches, whether it's you have a high school coach, your travel coach. What will happen is this. The coach, if you're a 2022 graduate, will contact that contact and say, hey, can you have Rick Wolf call me uh, 4 o'clock in the afternoon this Thursday? Mm-hmm. That's the way where 
you contact the coach and they can't contact you and all that stuff. So mm-hmm. they are look they are looking at videos. Uh, another thing I'm going to bring up: it looks like that the college coaches are not going to be getting out till uh, June 30th. Uh, you know, because again, I think I told you I run a few uh, team showcases. Yep. It looks like my first two I'm going to have to definitely cancel and then or try to re- reschedule and all stuff. So. Again, the coaches the coaches are going stir crazy too, and all that. So when it comes to that, but again, you you brought up the term recruited walk on, and I'm going to continue to say this: parents and kids, if you hear recruited walk on, look elsewhere because it, it's not going to work. And I I think I told this story a couple years ago. A, a, a kid I know went to visit a D1 school down south. He went to the prospect camp, hit three home runs at the prospect camp. Okay, not only that. They brought him into the office. They, they said, we like what you do. No money at the present time, but we'd like to bring in as a recruiter walker. I told the father, go visit other schools. Didn't want to listen. He, he, went, he, he went to that school. He got cut. Now he's playing D, D3 baseball, and he's having a good career. So, again, parents and kids, please listen to me. Do not, if you hear recruiter walk on, look elsewhere. Because as you've heard, Again, there's no guarantees with that. Ed, I, you know your 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 thoughts are good ones, and uh, just to underscore that, yeah, recruited walk on, that's a red flag, uh, and and you know, it's nice to hear uh, that you got the coach's attention, but look elsewhere because there's no guarantee at all is involved in this, and it's just it, it just doesn't it's rare that a recruited walk-on really makes an impact or makes the, makes the team. It just doesn't happen Re- very often. And, and your Re- thoughts about the recruited video. Recruited walk-on. Go I'm ahead. sorry, Rick. You go first. All right. Recruited walk-ons, all you're doing is making the admissions department happy. <laughs> yeah. Seriously, because you're still making money for you at least I, for a semester. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I couldn't agree more. And, again, your point about the video, obviously right now because of the pandemic, coaches are actually looking at video, but – at the end of the day, you know, if the coach is interested or sees something that they like, they are going to go contact your, your high school or, or travel team coach and say, I want to know more about this kid. I want to talk to him. I want to see them play in person. And, and Ed, thanks, thanks as always for your thoughts. They're good ones. And by the way, it's not just obviously with baseball. It could be softball. It could be almost any other sport. The, these are universal principles of recruiting uh, that you have to bear in mind. It is a complicated uh, process with a lot of dead ends. Uh, uh, and you got to be very careful. You just don't uh, put all your eggs in one basket because, obviously, it may backfire. Look around. Take your time. It's a complicated, year-long process that all parents and kids have to go through to find out the right fit and the right coach and the right program. Let's, uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Michael in, uh, in Virginia. Hey, Michael, how you doing this morning? Hey, Rick. Good to hear from you, as always. Yes, sir. Hey, uh, I want to get back around to... Uh, the initial conversation that you was having concerning questions. Yes, sir. You know, when my son went through the recruiting process a um, few years back now, uh, back in 05, 06 time frame, what I did was one thing I did was I took a list of questions and I pasted them on the wall right next to the home phone. <laughs> so anytime a call came in from a coach, he had an opportunity to look at one of those questions, and there was about 25 questions up there. Wow, okay. And it was good questions because I had did some research. You know, and, and I did the research personally because I was totally lost. You know, I was one of those parents that had no clue whatsoever. 
Yes. But we came up with about 25 great questions from whether or not an academic advisor travels with the team, mm -hmm. whether or not there was any medical coverage, um, how long are you going away from the school, if you're, you know, how do you travel, do you travel uh, via bus, do you have a charter, you know, different questions like that. So I just pushed and pushed and pushed to make sure that he understood those questions are important, other than how much playing time am I going to get, and uh, do we have a curfew? You know, Michael, these are, this is, that's an excellent uh, suggestion because, again, we focus so much on the athletics and, uh, okay, uh, how much playing time am I going to get? Will I make the team? Will I do this? Will I do that? But obviously the kids make it a four-year commitment, and the questions you brought up, like what about health insurance? What about uh, things like what do the dorms look like? Uh, what about having a, an academic advisor? Uh, you know, how much time uh, does a practice session going to last? All these basic questions that that's the rare it's the rare student athlete who asks these things, uh, but they're all important questions. So I, I think that was a very smart idea to have listed all the questions uh, and, and pasted it to the wall next to the phone so, so your youngster can ask those questions. That's good. Um, I'm sure the coaches who call were probably surprised by, by the kind of uh, things that he was asking. Yeah, they definitely were. Definitely were. And for a minute, they was taken back when they were like, okay, <laughs> where, where did he get these questions from? <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's good. I, I think that's a splendid idea. I think it's really good idea, Michael. Thank you. Let me move on to the next call. I appreciate your thoughts. They're, they're excellent ideas, excellent suggestions. Let me uh, let me move on to uh, to Nick and Hasbrook Heights. Hi, Nick. You're next up on the fan. Hey, what's going on? Um, I'm a current college baseball coach, Division Three, and yep. I put, just got done playing actually um, last year. My the school I coach at. And I played all divisions of one, two, and three. And uh, just wanted to give a piece of advice to a lot of people out there, especially parents. One route that's definitely overlooked is the junior college route. Of course. Um, my, myself, I went to a Division One school out of college. It was probably the worst Division One school out of in the country. But I just wanted to be a, um, I just wanted to be a Division One athlete. And you know, you got, and you know, I didn't really know what I wanted to major in. Uh, my family didn't have the means up front to pay for full, you know, four years of, you know, what the scholarship didn't um, pay for. So going junior college would have saved me a lot of money, and, you know, I would have played right away. So so I'm, I'm sorry, I just want to clear about this, Nick. You went to D1. Did you transfer back to a, Ju a JUCO after that, or did you just play all four years to D1? So I went to Division One my freshman year, sophomore year, Division Two, and then I finished my last two years in Division Three school, so I've been ah. to every level. Okay, and you're coaching D3 now? Yeah, I'm a coach at Ramapo College. Well, New Jersey. Ramapo, I mean, Ramapo is D3, but it's obviously a very, very solid competitive D3 program. In fact, I want to point out, too, again, it's so, so much misunderstanding in this. Just because you go to a D1 program, uh, particularly in baseball or softball or soccer, doesn't mean that they, 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 they're allowed to give scholarship money, but not all D1 programs do that. There are no, my, huh? My first year at Division One school, I only received five thousand dollars, and they consider that an athletic scholarship. 
Yeah, I mean, I assume the school cost fifty thousand a year. So yep. the fact is, you got five grand, which is still five thousand dollars. But not all D one schools offer any money. They just say, "Oh, we're Division One, but we don't offer any scholarships." And that, you know, maybe the rules have changed in recent years. But that's how it was back when I was coaching, and it was bizarre because there were there were D two programs that actually had more scholarship money than D one programs. The other point I want to address is junior college. And that is, when I was coaching at Mercy, I routinely uh, uh, recruited from JUCO uh, players because that meant if the kid had finished two years at a JUCO, uh, that, you know, I could see for them myself that they're obviously have played two years of, of college baseball. They've gotten bigger, stronger, faster. And I know I have a better idea of what I'm going to get when they come play for me as a junior. Um, and, you know, a lot of kids go that route as well, and that should not be overlooked uh, because it's also an excellent launching pad uh, to go on to, to play sports at the at the uh, at a D two or D one level. Um, again, not much is talked about this, but yeah, JUCO programs are an excellent fertile ground for recruiting uh, for for college coaches at, at four year schools. Um, and yeah, I mean it, it's it's simple as that. Uh, and, and Nick, thank you for your thoughts this morning. And I just want to underscore: there are a number of D three programs. A number of D3 programs were, quite frankly, they're probably better than D1 schools or D2 schools. And I, I heard, you've heard me say this many, 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 many times, and it's absolutely true. If you've got a youngster who wants to play college sports, I don't care what sport it may be, you've got to get them over during the course of their, between their sophomore and uh, junior year in high school or junior year and senior year, and they've got to get over to see a, a, a D3 program practice so they can see for themselves just how good these D3 athletes are because it's not just a, a normal trans transition from high school varsity athlete to being a D3 player. No, the D3 players are tremendous. And all these guys, you know, we're all state or all county or all this or whatever. They're all great. Uh, but, you know, you get a better sense when you see them up front and in person to see just how, how good they really are. Uh, let's go quickly over to, um, to Rob in Marlboro. Hey, Rob, good morning. You're next up on the fan. Hey, Rick. Good morning, and uh, great job. This is a wonderful show. You always uh, really bring a lot of information, and, and I find it fascinating, so thank you. You bet. Thank you. Rob, i got about a minute here, so uh, please uh, be, be quick with your thoughts. Okay, well, I really wanted to, to get a little more information on today's landscape. I have a daughter who's a junior, uh, plays soccer. Uh, she's, you know, we're, we're deep into the recruitment process um, you know, really, I, I think for her, I've got her focused on on some really strong academic D3 schools, yep. as well as, you know, uh, schools in the Patriot League, like a BU, um, Brown in the Ivy League. But I've got no problem uh, seeing her go to a Carnegie Mellon, a Babson, a Rhodes. These are three. To, those are the top five schools in her, in her, uh, you know, her in her front, front view. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think you look at the end of the day, um, the D1 schools don't have that much money for a, a, a soccer team, particularly the girls' soccer team. Uh, um, I yeah. talked to Syracuse, and, and they got 12 scholarships for 26, 28 players. Yeah. Um, you know, do the math. That doesn't come out to a lot of money for people. Rob, all I can tell you is that uh, you're asking all the right questions. Yes, of course, Title IX has an impact in terms of scholarships being uh, level for, for women uh, in terms of office. But the fact is, colleges, you know, they look at the sp- only two revenue-producing sports generally are football and basketball. And everything else, uh, just, uh, you know, they, they scrimp by as best they can. It's rare to see 
anybody in baseball, softball, soccer getting a full scholarship. It just doesn't happen. And so it's important that you know exactly what your youngster is getting involved in in terms of that, that college program and being, you know, scholarships and, and whatever else they may offer. Uh, unfortunately, I got I to gotta stop here. We'll come back and obviously revisit this topic down the road. My thanks this morning to Ed Arzuman. Please stick around for Mike Francesa. He's up next. I'll see you next week right here on the Sports Edge. Celebrate and save at Ashley's Anniversary Sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep Mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.